Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, good evening, everyone. Here we are tonight together on this beautiful summer evening. And tonight, I just want to take a few minutes to spend with you and maybe uh, talk about a topic that might uh, encourage you, maybe even allow you to see things in a way uh, concerning a poor blind beggar that you've never seen them before. And um, I want to give you a little bit of a background of where we are before I use my opening text tonight. Uh, Just before Christ's death, he was traveling on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover, of course. And remember, this was a feast that was required of all young men to attend. But this was going to be his last trip. Uh, And as he's making the trip, um, he's moving towards an area called Jericho. Now, I want to tell you, the people that we're going to be dealing with tonight basically are going to be Jewish. Uh, At this time uh, in his ministry, as it was actually from his birth, the Jews are really spiritually blind to who Christ is. He's tried to tell them. He's tried to show them on many occasions but they just don't seem to understand. And I think Isaiah said they have eyes to see and they have ears to hear, but they do not hear, neither do they see. But not only are they blind to what Christ's mission on earth was, but the disciples are somewhat confused as well. Even though the disciples have seen demonstrations of deity, time and time again, they still couldn't really recognize who Christ was in his holiness and omniscience. I know that Peter had a glimpse of his glory. He said that thou art the son of the living God, but I don't know if they really comprehended the scope of that revelation. Now, as they're making the journey, the disciples in Christ, they come to a city called Jericho. Now, Jericho, the the meaning of the word Jericho, or the name Jericho, means to smell. Or a place of fragrance. And you can assume that it got that name because of the many plants and fragrances that were there. From roses to balsam and cypress. Honey was there in abundance, and I'm sure that added to the, the savory tantalizing fragrances. But there was another fragrance, according to the scripture, that entered into the city of fragrances that day. It was the rose of Sharon. It was Christ, the lily of the valley. Now, on this particular day, we can assume that the roads of the city are jammed with pilgrims. All of Israel, it seems, is on its way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the road through Jericho was a main route. It was a bustling city. Now, as Jesus passed by, 
even though they did not recognize who he was, he still had a reputation. They knew him as someone special. And they turned out to see him as someone with curiosity might. Now, I want to talk a little bit tonight from Mark, the 10th chapter. We're going to talk a little bit about a man named Bartimaeus. And I'm reading from verse 46 to verse 42. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now we can assume that the that the news of Christ and his ministry had preceded him to Jericho. Because we find another man in this, this, this visit in Jericho called Zacchaeus. Now, if you're as old as I am, you probably remember the song about Zacchaeus. Come on, you, look at me, you, you probably know it. It goes this way, remember? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house to stay. And that, that basically encompasses a little bit of the story of Zacchaeus. But if we look a little bit at his background, Zacchaeus worked for the Roman government. He was a tax collector. He was probably one of the most hated men in, in, in the city of Jericho. The Jews hated the tax collectors. But Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree because there was something about this man that was passing by that sparked curiosity in him, so much so that he climbed up in a tree, made a spectacle of himself so that he could just get a glimpse of Christ. And I want to read that story. Um, it's in Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone into to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this too, man too, is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, you may ask, how do these two stories come together? Well, I'll tell you. Zacchaeus came to, to investigate Christ. Bartimaeus heard about what Christ could do and who he was. Now, remember Bartimaeus said, called him the son of David. Now, we know that the Messiah was going to be the son of David, build his throne on the throne of David. So Bartimaeus knew a little bit about who Jesus was. And whether you come to church to, out of curiosity, or whether you've heard a little bit about God, there's something in the investigation into his integrity and his life that has the ability to give sight and to give revelation. Out of all the people that were there that day that could see, there was one person in particular who really received spiritual 2020 vision, and that was Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus. Now, I want to observe the encounter with Barnabas and Jesus a little bit tonight. There's three topics under this heading that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Barnabas and his condition. Then I want to talk about Barnabas and his cry. And lastly tonight, I want to talk about Barnabas and his cure. So let's start. What was his condition? Well, he was blind. Do you know that blindness was really common in Bible times? Because of the poor nutrition in the world at that time, many people suffered with blindness. Now, here's a man that never saw a sunrise, never viewed a sunset. He really never had a glimpse of God's beautiful creation. Bartimaeus lived in a very narrow world. He lived in a world of complete darkness. He was a beggar. He was blind. He was a beggar. Bartimaeus was unable to find a job. He was unable to uh, earn an income. There were no social programs for him. There were no welfare programs to help him survive. So he was forced to sit beside the road 
and beg for his living every single day. The Bible just says he was begging, and which means he constantly begged. And he asked money of those that would pass by. I can assume, as you might assume as well, Bartimaeus lived a life of wretched poverty. Can you imagine him, can you picture him in your mind, sitting by the highway from morning to night, begging for alms, just enough to make it another day, just for one more meal? Can you see him as he struggles to get to his special place where he begs? It was a pitiful sight. It was a tragic condition. He was living in a cruel and heartless world. But let me take this story and somehow hold up a mirror so that we can see the world that we live in. I think Bartimaeus is a living example of every person on earth that does not have a relationship with God. Like poor Barnabas, every person that is a sinner is spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you're a sinner, and we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, you're blind. You're wretched. And many people don't even know their condition. See, Bartimaeus may have had a problem with optics, but a sinner has a problem with his soul. He cannot see himself in relationship to what's around him spiritually. A sinner has something wrong with his heart. See, Bartimaeus would have used his eyes if he could have. The lost sinner, on the other hand, who could see, would not use his spiritual eyes to see Christ. That's the difference. Some refuse to see when they could. Look at Ephesians 4 and 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Man has hardened his heart against God. And then I, I read another verse that goes along with this in Romans the third chapter, verse 11. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Now, I want to point out in both these cases that we're looking at, Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, both of them have initiated something. Zacchaeus has climbed up in a tree so that he can make eye contact or see Christ. He's made an effort to see him. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, has lifted up his voice and cried out for mercy. 
those were the only two that I have a record of in Scripture that received anything that day. And I think about the Scripture that says, in the day that you seek me with all of your heart, that will be the day that you find me. Now, there are a lot of people that saw Christ, but did not comprehend who he was. There's a lot of people in the world tonight that know who Jesus is, but they have no comprehension of what he is. They can't see the beauty of a Savior. They, they just don't know how wonderful he is. This last Sunday, Brother Kevin Marty was speaking at church, and I wrote a note down in my uh, notebook on my phone, and it was the thought that I had. It was, I just, this is what I wrote. I, I just want to be with him. And now, what I meant when I wrote that was, I'm not looking for streets of gold. I'm not looking for uh, eternal life per se. Really at the heart of my relationship with God is I just want to be with him. I just want to be with Christ. And I, I think that reflects a little bit on a good marriage too because when two people get married, they say for richer, for poor, in sickness or health. What they're really saying is, in this relationship, all I really want out of it is you. And tonight, that's the way we have to see our relationship with God. Oh, I like long life. I like a healthy life. I like riches and not have to worry about struggle. But really, the main thing and the only thing is I just want to be with him. When I look around me, especially after my transformation, let me call it. Some people call it conversion. After I received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I remember how I went on to live my life and everything was different. It seemed that I had been blind before. It seemed like the world was so much more interesting. The colors were so much more bright. It seemed like I saw God's creation in a different light. Even when I would come to church, and I can't say that this is appropriate tonight because there's not many people in our congregation. Matter of fact, we're pretty well empty because of the COVID-19 epidemic. But if there were people here, I could look around and see the majesty of God in the conversion of those people that were sitting in front of me, the changed lives, I would see the power of God on display and we could all praise his name together for that. See, the lost person can't see the beauty of the cross. He can't see the beauty of a savior because they're blind. And truly, not only are they blind, but they're also beggars. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that they can't pay their bills. And I, I'm not saying that they can't accumulate some amount of wealth. Some have accumulated great wealth. They don't have, may not have to beg for money or food or clothing or shelter. But friend, in a spiritual sense, they're poverty stricken. 
without, you know, think about it, without Jesus in your life tonight, you are morally and spiritually bankrupt. The, sin, the condition of sin has made us or sinners spiritual paupers in the sight of God. And the Bible talks about, no, you think that you're rich and increased with good, but know you not that you're poor and wretched and blind? That was what Christ said. God placed man in a garden in the beginning called the Garden of Eden. When man sinned, he threw it all away. Threw it all away. Sin stripped him of every spiritual blessing that he had while he was living in obedience to God. Let me tell you something. Without Jesus, you have nothing. Oh, you may think that you have something, but you really have nothing. Really, your life is like an empty pocket. Oh, I've heard empty pockets before. Where have I heard that saying before? Oh, I think I know. But it's like an empty pocket with a hole in it. No matter what you accumulate in this life, guess what? You're going to die. And without Jesus, without the blood of Christ, you're going to stand before God's judgment in your sin. And there is a good chance that you may go to hell. And you'll have nothing to show for your life but spiritual blindness and spiritual poverty. Not much of a legacy, is it? Bartimaeus was in a sad condition. But the lost sinner, he's in a far worse condition than Bartimaeus was. See, let me just say a, a couple things about the lost sinner. The lost sinner is truly blind. That's why when sometimes when you're trying to witness to someone and it's so clear to you what you're saying and they can't comprehend it. It's like trying to de describe a sunset to a blind man. They, 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 you can tell them how glorious and all the different colors of the sunset, but they can't comprehend it because they've never seen it. A sinner's deaf. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear. But preaching that is received is able to restore the hearing of the soul. Matter of fact, Paul called it the foolishness of preaching. The spoken word was able to save us. Technically, a sinner is a spiritual cripple. They have no spiritual endurance. They have a defiled mind. And I could go on and on and on. The Bible talks about how sin was like leprosy. Sin, in, like leprosy, eats away at the soul and the spirit until there's nothing left. Let's go on to the third, the second uh, example of Bartimaeus now. Bartimaeus and his cry. That's really interesting. Think about it. Bartimaeus and his cry. It says that when Jesus was near, what did Bartimaeus do? He cried out. 
it wasn't sort of just a whiny cry. It was a passionate cry. He heard the crowds. He heard the excited voices of the people. And he heard that Jesus was about to pass by. And inside of his heart, such a passion developed. And it, it was like an earthquake. It started deep inside of him until it gushed forth from his lips. And he cried out, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. You know what will cause a person to cry out? When they're in the midst of the darkness of depression and poverty and without hope, that little sliver of faith accompanied with a little bit of hope will cause the sinner to cry out for Christ. He cried out to Jesus because he'd heard about the loaves and the fishes. He heard about Jesus walking on the water. He'd heard stories about other blind men that had received his sight. All these stories that he heard had cultivated faith in his own heart, so much so that it caused the reaction that was a desperate cry for a healing Savior. I can hear him say, if Jesus can do all these things, I've heard about him. Maybe he can heal me too. So he cried out for his healing. Now, the people tried to stop him. But you know what he did? He cried out even louder. The more they tried to stifle him, the more passionate he became. He realized that this visitation on this day might be his only hope of receiving sight. And he wasn't going to take any chances. He wanted Jesus to help him. Let me give you a side note here. I guarantee you, in your life, Jesus has passed by you and made himself available. And some of you have responded. I hope all of you have responded. You could feel his presence. And something inside of you reached out to grasp the hem of his garment. It might have been a song in a song service. It might have been a sermon that someone preached. It might have been a personal testimony that someone shared. But somewhere, somehow, Jesus passed by. I'm thankful that God makes himself available. I've shared the story before, but for the benefit of some, I'll make it a little bit more abbreviated. 20 years old, before I was a young man living in Oak Creek, I, th I had thought in previous years that I had the world by the tail. I was independent, self-sufficient, or so I thought I was. But one day, something happened in my life that I realized that the the little domino world that I had made had fallen apart one domino at a time. 
and the, and the sequence continued one domino after another until there was nothing left. I remember how desperate I was, how lost I felt, and how dark my world was. Matter of fact, I felt like I didn't want to go on anymore. And so I decided to take my life. I remember the night like it was yesterday. It was a Friday night. And something tragic had happened that afternoon. And I had finally come to the decision that life wasn't worth living. But I think that night something happened because Jesus passed by. And there was a glimmer of hope that made its way to my mind. And I remember a little church that was in our neighborhood. It was a Pentecostal church. And I remember the, the noise that came from that building on a Sunday night and a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night because our home was near there. And I thought to myself, I wonder if God is real. And if he is real, I wonder if he cares about me. I was desperate. And I realized that this was my last chance at staying here or giving up. And I walked that night onto the property of that church and I knocked on the pastor's door and Sister Angie Tamil came to the door and I asked if I could go into the church and I didn't tell her why. It was already dark outside. It was probably 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Was I embarrassed that I was knocking on someone's door at that hour of the day? Not at all. I was desperate. I needed to find out. I walked into that sanctuary. They allowed me and I walked into the sanctuary. And I'm not ashamed of this. Of course, I didn't turn the lights on. There were exit lamps there, so I had some light that I could find my way to the front of the church. And I knelt down on the altar, and like Bartimaeus, I cried a desperate cry. It wasn't a soft cry. It was the cry of a soul in agony. It was a cry that emanated from a soul that was lost, and I can almost see Christ stopping that night and coming near to me and putting his arm around me and giving me hope. That night I saw my character. I saw who I was. I saw my desperation, my blindness. And I realized that Christ had been there all the time. That's the way that Bartimaeus cried out, a desperate cry. Praise God. Sinners need to understand, and we need to portray that they're not alone. We need to help present an image of hope to them 
Tell them the stories of the miraculous. Tell them of his greatness. Tell them of his love. So that when they come to that place of desperation, something inside their heart cries out for help. Praise God. I've got some scriptures here, and I, wanna, I don't want to skip over them. And I might have done that already. I wanted to read from Second um, Corinthians 2.14. Here it is. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I like the way that it puts it. It says fragrance, but to spread the aroma of his knowledge. Doesn't that fit perfectly in with Jericho? The city of fragrance. We spread the fragrance of Christ. Praise God. And then in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Isn't it amazing how some people can respond to the same message differently? To the blind person, to the deaf person, they don't see nor do they hear the spirit of the words. But to someone who has eyes that see and ears that heard, that hear in a heart that feels, they are passionate about the word of God. A person, a sinner, has to see Christ to understand who he is and what he can do for them. That's where the Holy Ghost comes in because the Spirit leads us into all truth. But I must yield to that Spirit if I'm going to be led. In John 6, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at that last day. I cannot help but feel that that spirit led me to that church that night. That wasn't where I was going. I think that the Lord, through his spirit, drew me to that darkened church that Friday night because there was going to be a visitation of power, presence, and of love. And you may not think a lot about that, but for me, that was the hub of the wheel of my walk for God. That was where I found truth and mercy. The cry of Bartimaeus wasn't only full of passion. It was a personal cry. It was an intimate cry of a heart that was broken. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. 
He didn't try to demand his rights. He didn't demand anything. He was just seeking mercy. That word mercy means to bring help to the wretched. That's what mercy is. But many times people come to the altar with their pride and their arrogance and their self-sufficiency. And there's no cry for mercy. It's more of a contract negotiation. He cried out to Jesus asking for help for his wretched condition. You know, tonight we have women's rights. We have civil rights. We have children's rights. We have gay rights. And every other right that you can imagine tonight. But when it comes to man's spiritual, thing, spiritual condition, I don't want my rights. I want God's mercy. I want God's grace. If I got what I deserved, if I got what was coming to me that was rightfully mine, I would be lost in a place called hell. And friend, if we're honest tonight, so would you. See, we don't have any right to heaven. We have no right to Jesus. We have no right for salvation. We have a right to be lost. We have a right to a wretched life. And we have a right to serve in eternity in hell. I do not want my rights. I want mercy. I want grace. Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God has, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. And Titus says it this way in verse chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I need to enter in a little bit of brevity here, lest it get too deep here and too far off. A story about a a lady that went to a photographer on a particular day and had her picture made. The photographer came out and he showed her the proofs of the picture that he had taken. And she was really unhappy. And she lifted up her high voice and said, well, I don't like that. Those proofs don't do me justice. And the photographer looked down at the ground and he said, Ma'am, what you need is not justice. 
What you need is mercy. <laughs> so that's, that's what we need tonight is not justice, we need mercy. There's another thing about the cry of Bartimaeus. It was a persistent cry. He was causing an uproar. He was raising a ruckus. And the people were trying to silence him. He was making such commotion. Wouldn't that be great if we could have our altars filled with people causing a ruckus? People calling out to God with all their heart, begging for a visitation, asking for mercy, asking for grace. But sometimes people try to shut that up because they don't want too much emotion. I remember my mom, and some of you remember Dorothy, and uh, she was English, and there were some traits that she had that were a little stubborn. And if you knew her, you would probably agree with me. But I remember after Rick and myself and Linda and dad and mom started going to church, we all eventually received the Holy Ghost. Well, my mom didn't necessarily care for all the ruckus and all the clapping and all the shouting. So she decided one day that she was going to go back and visit her old Baptist church. <laughs> well, you'll be surprised what happened there. While she was sitting in that Baptist church that morning, the Holy Ghost came on her. And she started to speak in tongues. And it swept over her so that she was causing a commotion in that little Baptist church. And they kept telling her, lady, you got to shut up. You're making too much noise. But her soul would not allow her to separate herself from the source of its strength. Let's cause a ruckus when it comes to spiritual praise and worship and seeking. Barnabas just kept calling out to Jesus. He believed that Jesus could help him. And he wasn't going to allow Jesus to get by him without getting that help. How do you know that Jesus is going to pass this way again? And that's what Bartimaeus was thinking. How do I know that this will be, this will be the last time that I have an opportunity to reach out to him? And friend, have you ever thought about that personally? How do you know that this might not be the last time that you can touch him? Desperate to be where he is. Lord, I just want to be with you. And last of all, I want to talk about Barnabas and his cure. It was a personal cure. 
Jesus heard the cry of that one poor, blind, wretched man called Bartimaeus. And he stopped in his tracks. He stopped his journey. And he turned his attention and looked at that man in a personal way. Remember, Jesus is on the cross, on his way to the cross. This is the cause for which he came. This is, was to be the epicenter in Jerusalem of the salvation of the world. This was an important appointment that he was on his way to fulfill. But one sinner who was desperate, who was crying out to him, caused him to stop and turn his attention from the crowds of the curiosity that was present and look into the heart of a little blind beggar called Bartimaeus. It was a personal cure. Calvary isn't a corporate event. Calvary is a personal event. It's where you and I and whoever you are or wherever you're at Come to the realization that you need him yourself. That Jesus gives you your personal visitation. I remember right after I was saved, um, it wasn't long because I was only in Parkway probably two or three years before I went to Bible college. But it was in those three years I remember getting together with a group of young people and we were talking about Christ. And I don't even know if they were Christians. (laughs) When I got, I got to tell you something. When I got the Holy Ghost, I wasn't afraid or bashful to share my testimony. I remember the, the first Friday after the night I got the Holy Ghost, it was on a Sunday, on Fridays, I worked second shift at a Sorgal Electric in Milwaukee on National and Ninth Avenue, by the way. I remember that. And I, that week, I was on cloud nine. People, I, I worked in the factory, and people were wondering if I was on drugs or what was going on with me. And I remember on Friday night, we all went over to the tavern on National Avenue, and we, they served food there and, of course, other stuff. And I remember going over there and having my lunch. And I, at the, I, I don't recommend this, but it was a good thing at the time. I started to tell people about what happened on Sunday night, that Sunday night, and I said, you won't believe what happened, guys. Well, what, what happened? I went to church last night, and God swept over me, and I started to speak. And hold, I got the Holy Ghost, is how I put it. I got the Holy Ghost that night. And I am so happy. I'm a different person. I'm on cloud nine. And they said, is that like angel dust? One of the guys said, is that like angel dust? And if you know what angel dust is, that's a drug. And I says, no, 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 you don't understand. I really found Christ. I found him personally. It was a personal cure for a desperate man. And I think Jesus is stopping when you call out to him. I think that sometimes Jesus walks by people that are blind and wretched and poor and naked. 
simply because they're not seeking him. They're not raising their voice. They're not reaching out to them. They're living in their ignorance and they're content with it. But I can't help but think, friend, when you get to a place where you need that visitation of Christ and you're desperate for a miracle, that if you raise your voice and let the desperation of your heart come forth from your mouth, that Jesus will stop what he's doing and he'll look in your direction and he'll call for you. But I want to point something out. If you were to go back and read from where we were reading in Luke, see if I can find it real quick and I'm going to wrap up here in a little bit. Um, It says one thing. It says in verse 48 of Mark 10, remember we talked about him crying out, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, now call him, bring him to me. His desperation brought invitation. I'm going to say that again. Your desperation brings an invitation into the presence of God. No desperation, no hunger to reach out for Christ, no invitation. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Now notice what happens here, and many people overlook this. He threw, throwing his cloak aside, He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing his cloak aside, what did his cloak represent? His previous life. It was the cloak of a wretched, blind beggar. He threw that cloak aside because he knew when he came to Jesus, he wouldn't need the cloak of a beggar again. He wouldn't need a cloak of a wretched sinner again because Jesus, who could heal the blind and give life and raise the dead, would give him a new cloak, a cloak of righteousness, a cloak of sight and of hearing and of peace. I like to see the cloak, the cloaks of things left behind at the altar when sinners come to God. Because we don't need those things anymore. I don't need the world like I needed the world before because Jesus has become everything to me. I'm no longer a beggar, but a son, an ambassador, a servant. And I'll close with this. I had, when I came to the church, I had a lot of vices. Don't you think that the night that I got baptized, 
I was a perfect saint at all. I, I, I was desperate for Christ. I, I'm sincere about that. But that, that Sunday night, I was so desperate to have Christ save my sin that I got everybody out of bed, the pastor. Well, they weren't in bed at that time. They were, at 12 midnight, they were still in the restaurant after church. They were good Pentecostals. But it was 12 midnight, one Sunday night, that the Lord visited me in my hesitancy and told me that how much he loved me and how much I needed him and how much he wanted me by his side that I got on my phone, and my brother will verify this. I called him and Rick and Liz at, at probably about 11.30 that night, a Sunday night, and I said, Rick, Jesus is coming, and I'm not ready, and I want to get baptized right now. <laughs> I remember my brother, he was happy for me, but he also reminded me of the hour. He said, Steve, it's 11.30. Can't you wait to get baptized till Wednesday or next Sunday? And I remember telling my brother, you don't understand, I'm desperate. I have to be baptized right now. I am not going to bed tonight. I don't care how we do it or how you do it, but I am going to bed with my sins washed away tonight. I don't know how my brother did it without cell phones. I think he called the truck stop. Or he called Sister Tamil because I don't think we had cell phones then. And they probably called the truck stop and the Milwaukee truck stop on Ryan Road, a little advertisement there. And they got Brother Tamil to come back. And at 12 midnight on that Sunday night, I was baptized in Jesus' name. And I remember coming up out of the water. There was probably about 15 to 20 people there. I thought a little strange. Wow, people must not sleep here. And they were all shouting and they were rejoicing and clapping their hands and I thought, they don't even know me. But they were shouting and rejoicing in an event that had happened to them as well as in my event because they realized how I felt because they had felt the same way. But I'll close with this. That night, I, I was smoking. I had smoked in the service. I really was smoking heavy when I was in the service. It was just so convenient and cheap. And I had cigarettes everywhere, and I had cigarettes in my pocket that night. And when I got to get, went to get dressed in, out of my baptismal gown, the Lord convicted me about the cigarettes in my pocket. And of course, I, was, I felt so good. I felt so clean. I felt a regeneration inside of me. And unless you've ever experienced it, you may not understand what I'm saying, but I felt so pure. And the cigarettes were so unclean that I, I left them there that night. And I said, Lord, I am not going to smoke again. And I made it. I'm not going to get into the all the whole story, but... I made it five days before I caved in and I, I had a cigarette. And I felt so bad. I said, after all that you've done for me, Lord, 
you pulled me from the gutter. You gave me hope. You've given me a life. You've given me a life back. Then look what I've done. And here's what I did. And I believe this was inspired by the Holy Ghost. I really feel that God put his arm around me that night, and he, that night that I fell, and he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bring your cigarettes to church on Sunday. And I came to church that Sunday, and after the altar call was given, I felt that God led me to take those cigarettes And he said, leave them right there on the altar. But Lord, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of smoking. I know that I shouldn't. And God said, leave the cigarettes there because it was a sign. It was something that was holding me back to my old life. It's just like Barnabas' cloak. Bring that old sinful beggar's cloak that you've worn all your life and I want you to leave it on the altar and I want you to walk away from it and never ever come back to it again. Well, the end of the story is this. I never smoked another cigarette again and I never wrestled with the addiction of smoking Not only did I leave the cigarettes there, but I left the addiction there. And friend, if you leave that cloak that you've still got in your closet at the altar, whatever sin you still wear, leave it here. God will give you something else to wear that won't lead you back to where you came. And so that's what I wanted to share with you tonight, and I know I probably went a little longer than I should, but I want to let you know, remember the cry, the personal relationship that God wants to have with you, and don't ever turn back. Remember Bartimaeus. Lord Jesus, tonight, I am so thankful I'm so thankful that you made yourself available to me, O oh God. I'm so thankful that night when I cried out to you with all my heart that you stopped what you were doing and you came to a little teenage guy and gave him his life back. And Lord, I pray for those that are listening to me tonight, to those whose minds have been touched and conviction has been revealed to some tonight. I pray that they would cry like Bartimaeus, and that you would... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God, and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.